Um, I have uh, two kids at home, a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old. My daughter, the 14-year-old, likes to play volleyball. She's a freshman this year at Jones College Preps on the volleyball team there. And um, she would a travel team, and so travel teams often Saturday morning tournaments, and so often those are out in the hinterland of the suburbs, and you have to get up early and take your kids there. Uh, and so I dropped her off this one particular morning, and then it was a couple of hours before she started to play. So I dropped her off and then got out my iPhone and uh, called upon my trusty assistant, Siri, uh, to try to figure out where I should go and figure out a cup of coffee or go to a restaurant. So I uh, hit my little button on the iPhone and I said, Siri, directions to the closest coffee shop. Uh, and this is what Siri heard. <laughs> so I was a little taken aback by this. Not only by what Siri heard me say, but then Siri started to actually try to find a location for me. And she, uh, or Siri, decided to send me to Amsterdam. I'm not making this up. So it's located somewhere in Amsterdam for me to go. So if any of you are interested in the directions to the box, I'm shocked. Amsterdam is apparently the place to go. You know, we need guidance in so many different areas of our lives. And so often it would be great if we could call on Siri to answer all of our big life questions. Siri, should I do this? Or Siri, Siri should I go to this place? But eventually, uh, probably not the best way to be led, and clearly from Siri's response to my request, sex is not an area of expertise either. <laughs> so if Siri is not going to give us direction in these areas of sex and relationship in our lives, then where do we go? Well, I have a little secret for you, in case you didn't know. The internet <laughs> is more than happy to give you advice about sex. So this week I went on a search engine and typed in simply sex advice and all kinds of things popped up in front of me. So all big magazines had articles, magazines like Cosmopolitan, Marie Claire, Men's Fitness, Esquire, Glamour, uh, even magazines that you might not think of like Red Book and Women's Day were happy to chime in on advice about sex. And then all the ads came up too, the paid ads. So, <laughs> Free sex podcast wanted to tell me how to live my sex life. Naughty sex advice from masterful-lover.com. All of these different places were more than happy to fill the gap of Siri and tell me how I should live into my life uh, as a sexual person. Well, Urban Village, one of our hopes is that we want you to lead a life of a disciple of Christ, to lead a life who follows in the way of Jesus. And that means that we think that that should have an impact on every aspect of your life. Even those areas of your life where sometimes you might think to yourself, no, I'd rather not stay out of this part of my life. And within that, we may include sex and relationships. But we feel like that God should have a rather large say in that. And so we are starting today this new sermon series called Some Like It Hot, as we begin to explore this really interesting integration of God and sex. 
So in honor of Siri's attempt to guide me to answer them, we've got a little mnemonic device to help us today for this sermon. This is a GPS of God and sex. G-P-S. So the G, and this is where I want us to start off with, is to name sex as gift. We hear lots of things about sex in our world, and particularly sometimes when we think about what has the church had to say about sex. Uh, I think if you went uh, down Milwaukee Avenue and just started interviewing people on the street and say, so when you think of the church and sex, what are some initial images that you have? And my guess would be the good majority of them would be negative, and that uh, there are reasons for that. And that also may include this book of the Bible called Song of Songs that Anthony read from a little bit earlier. You know, the church, on, on the one hand, it's a miracle that this made it into the Bible. Uh, but sometimes the uh, church fathers and mothers really have not known what to do with this book of the Bible. It's really, it's actually one of the two books in the Bible, Esther's the other, that makes no mention of God whatsoever in it. Uh, and also... Um, it's the early people from the church have tried to figure out um, is this an allegory that really actually this is probably this is all metaphor right this is all this is about Christ and the church or about God and our relationship with God it's not really what it seems like it is so they've had issues with song of songs actually there's one I forgot to mention this in the first uh, service there's a rabbi a second century rabbi apparently in the second century people were taking song of songs and they were putting music to it and they were singing the Song of Songs. Uh, and one rabbi in the second century had an issue with this. I think there might be a slide for this. Uh, and he said this, this rabbi said, He who trills his voice in chanting the Song of Songs in the banquet house and treats it as a sort of song has no part in the world to come. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, do not put music to this part of the Bible. <laughs> But thankfully, in recent years, decades, scholars have taken a closer look at this part of the Bible, and they have said, let's name it for what it is. It's poetry. It's a love song. It's poetry about two individuals who are really beginning to figure out their lives, and what does this mean, and what do we look like, and these attractions that we have. And instead of stifling these things, instead of putting a curtain over these things, Song of Songs celebrates it. It's like, this is who I am. And not only that, but Song of Songs, one could argue, is perhaps one of the most feminist parts of the scriptures as well. Female protagonist in Song of Songs speaks 56 times, compared to a measly 36 for the male protagonist, where the male speaks as well. And not only that, but this is a black woman who is speaking in Song of Songs too. And so let us first name that and celebrate that this is part of our rich tradition of scriptures, that this is in them, that it makes the cut into what we read and how we try to discern who God is and what God is in our lives. So as we read through Song of Songs, this wonderful, beautiful poetry about people discovering who they are, let us name it as gift. Now there are lots of things that we can say about sex. There are issues that people can have with it. There are people who have been abused by it. There are people who are uncomfortable talking about it. And this is all true as well. But can we also first say that this is a gift from God. That sex is a gift from God. Our bodies are gifts from God. The flesh and all the things that happen to us when we are attracted to someone else are gifts from 
God. And we can put all kinds of parameters about that later, but first, let's foundationally say, looking at Song of Songs, and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you God, yes, <laughs> for what we have uh, for ourselves. The verse says it so well. I just, some of that yearning, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. So, sex is gift. Now, here's the P in this GPS. Sex is also perplexing. <laughs> so I talked earlier about the negatives sometimes for the church, that sometimes the church, many times in the history of the church, they have uh, tried to attach shame to sex or said that it is bad, uh, put very high walls around it, that it can only be used in these certain situations. Uh, then there's another part of the church that does this. And um, so there's some churches that will talk about uh, abstinence and waiting before marriage. And they talk a lot about waiting. Uh, but then on the other side of that, they say this. If you wait, though, the night uh, after of your wedding night, you will have sex and it will blow your minds. <laughs> it will be amazing. Your lives will never be the same once you've had sex. And so they talk about it in great ways. So people, I can imagine, especially young people, they're getting married, like, yes, let's, we want to wait. Uh, and then, but wait, when we have sex, it's going to be awesome. And then they actually have it. <laughs> and then I'm sure this happens quite a bit, and they lie there and think, what happened? <laughs> It was, yeah, I'm good, but my mind wasn't blown, and it actually was a little uncomfortable, and why did my body do that? Why did my body not do that? I really wasn't sure where to put certain parts. Now I feel awful, because my pastor told me that this would be a life-changing experience. It's supposed to be so amazing, and now I'm not so sure. And so then discomfort and shame and all these other things can come upon them as well. So can we also name sex, yes, as gift, but it's also perplexing, or maybe a better word is mystery, but that doesn't fit with my GPS name, so. Uh, it's perplexing, and it's hard to figure out, because our bodies, you know, we sometimes look to that really wonderful verse from the psalm that says we are beautifully and wonderfully made, and we say yes, but also we really think about it, parts of our bodies we just can't figure out. You know, like, why does my body respond in this way when I see this person. And sometimes that can be a little embarrassing. And especially if our society says, you should be attracted to this kind of person, and you realize, but I'm not attracted to that kind of person, I'm attracted to this kind of person. And then again, we may feel bad about that. And yet, you're not alone, friends. We're all trying to figure out our bodies. We try to live into that and get to the place where we are like the people in Song of Songs, where we can celebrate that, while also acknowledging there are sometimes we just can't Figure it all out. And so it's helpful to see this text in Song of Songs. There's a little bit of mystery here as well. At the beginning, we see there's kind of a game of hide and seek happening here. The text tells us that this man said, look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. A bit of mystery going on here. And then later on, in verse 15, it says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, or our vineyards are in blossom. And as I was reading one scholar this week, 
Uh, and I love it when biblical scholars say this, and this is a literal quote saying, this, the riddle's meaning, meaning here is obscure. I love what biblical scholars essentially say, well, <laughs> but they can guess. And so this scholar's best guess is this, that these two lovers are perhaps trying to hide the fact that they are trying to consummate this relationship. So they're speaking in code, right? They're speaking in riddle in order to kind of hide this from others. So there's a little bit of mystery in being perplexed here as well. Our bodies, our gifts, our bodies are mystery. One of my favorite shows is Orange is the New Black. Uh, and I'm not quite, I'm not... Uh, a binge TV watcher. I take my time with these shows. So I just started season three, uh, but one of my favorite episodes uh, happened. I can't remember if season one or season two. But uh, and for those who don't know, Orange Is the New Black. It's a, a series that focuses on a women's prison and the communities and friendships, and uh, sometimes the conflict that happens in these communities. So this one segment of the episode, uh, the women were beginning to talk about their bodies, specifically their vaginas. Uh, and they are trying to figure out their vaginas and trying to figure out what certain holes meant and what did they do. Uh, and it was up to the character named Sophia uh, to begin to instruct them on their bodies. Sophia is a transgender character on the show. She's transgender in real life. Uh, and so she drew a picture for them. So I have a clip here uh, to show you. It's a very brief clip of Sophia showing them. And this thing, and so I'll name. I know sometimes this can all be a little uh, uneasy for some. Uh, you may be here today thinking, I can't believe they're talking about this in church. <laughs> also, in this clip, uh, one of the characters drops it, drops an F bomb in here. So my apologies for that for whom that might be uncomfortable. But I think this is really interesting uh, and speaks to our body's mysteries. <laughs> Sometimes our bodies let us down in ways. This is all part of who we are as well. 
So you're not alone when you may wonder these things too. So the S in this GPS is this. You can use any number of words. You can talk about being selfless or sacrificial or, or shared. But again, if we are going to the internet or our culture, I should say really, uh, for guidance on our sexual lives, so often when we read these things, it's focused on how can I get the most pleasure from my own sexual experience? How can I get the most out of this? How can I wring every ounce of pleasure there's to be had from this experience? And maybe then those articles at the very end say, oh yeah, by the way, there's usually a partner involved in this as well, and we should think about them and pay attention and be sensitive to them too. But so often the focus is on us and what's good for me. And we don't think much about the other in that relationship as well. Uh, there's a little bit of selfishness in this text from Song of Songs. Um, if you count it a number of times, the person says, my, it would add up to eight. So my beloved, my love, my fair one, oh my dove. Right? There's a little bit of almost ownership but near the end of the text, uh, it also speaks uh, of this selflessness. In verse 16, she says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. My beloved is mine, and I am his. So there is sacrifice. There is selflessness in this relationship, too. And it speaks to, in our relationships, that we must be sensitive to your partner as well. That they too are perhaps a little perplexed and bewildered by some of these things. At our staff table, at our pastoral staff table, and we're talking about um, this sermon series, and we created this rubric or some questions for us to consider when we're thinking about uh, this topic. Uh, I think there's maybe a slide for this. So some of the questions are this, what do I desire? Why do I desire that? What does God desire? How do these desires intersect, align, or not? So we had developed these four questions, uh, and then we left them there. It wasn't until about two weeks ago that Trey uh, kind of sent a message to us, and I think we we're forgetting something here. That was the fifth question we, we put up there today. That, oh yeah, what does my partner desire? So even at our staff table, uh, we kind of got lost a little bit in knowing that there's another person who is involved in this as well. You know, it's a really challenging thing when you have a sexual relationship with someone with whom you're in covenant, uh, and there's a lot of nervousness and wondering, but I think even the physical nature of it is scary, but if you were to have the courage to, before you do that, to have an open, honest, pretty raw conversation about it, that could be even more scary. But that begins to give us a sense like there's somebody else here who has desires, who has fears, who has anxieties, who has questions. And when we can begin to do that, it helps us to realize that we're not alone. That sex is gift, that sex is, is mystery and perplexing, and yet I'm in this with somebody else as well. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, when I was a teenager, uh, I went out with some friends and we were going water skiing. And my friends uh, were all uh, expert water skiers, and they were saying how amazing water skiing was. 
And so there's, I can't wait for you to try this. It's so much fun. And so we got there and we got on the lake. We were in this boat and my friends went out first. And they were just having an amazing time. They were on their skis, they were going over the water, and they were laughing, and it's like, this is great, water skiing is the best. Can't wait till you try to water ski, and I'm like, me too. Uh, and so I then get in the water, and the person in the back of the boat is trying his best to, to uh, tutor me, or give me directions on it. And he said, you know, I wish that we could go slow right away, but when you water ski, you just you gotta go fast. And so I got it, I got it, this is gonna be great. So the very first time the boat goes, and literally the skis like shoot out from underneath me. And I, I can't even get up uh, at the first. And so I go and put the skis back on again. And it took me so many times to try to make this. I would wipe out. And you would think water is so great and lovely and peaceful, but I would crash into this water, and the water hurts uh, when you're doing these things. And I kept thinking to myself, I don't understand. I see my friends having fun doing water skiing. Why is this so hard for me? And it took me quite a long time before I finally was able to get up on my skis and wobbly get going, but I was able finally to do it, and it was a lot of fun to the point where I was even trying, like, one hand I was water skiing, and look what an expert I am. So you probably can see where I'm going with this. So often when we talk about sex and relationships in our lives, when we see everybody else in our culture who are saying, it's amazing, it's great, uh, you've got to do all these things. And so if we have questions, or if we have some anxieties, or if we've had difficulties in our past, perhaps if we've been hurt or even abused, uh, and we don't have those same feelings, it can weigh on us. So today, we want to name that it can weigh on us while also naming that sex is a gift. And it can be really perplexing. But in the midst of all of it, I hope that we can trust that God has the one who has given us the gift of body. This gift of things that our bodies can do and make us feel good. This gift of body that can sometimes let us down. And included in this is the relationships that we have with one another. And sometimes sexual relations that we have with one another too. This is all God-given. And so hopefully we can have the trust and faith that because it's God-given, it may take us a while to get to that point where we can celebrate this, but that God goes with us, with us when we do so. In the midst of all the complexity and all of the gifts, knowing that we are with this, not only with one other person, but most importantly, that we are in this with God so that we can draw closer to this one person, but that we can also draw closer to God in the process. <coughs> May we have the faith and trust in God, who's given us this gift, and will be with us as we go along this journey with God and with each other. Let's pray. Holy, loving, and gracious God, we give you thanks for our bodies, for who we are, we give you thanks for desires, for yearnings, and we pray that you would be patient with us as we are patient with you, as we try to get a sense of how we can celebrate this, but we also lift up prayers for those for whom this is difficult, for those who are lonely, for those who have had difficult experiences in the past. Pray that you would be with them, uh, that they can have a kind of faith in you, knowing that you are with them in the midst of them figuring all this out as well. But we trust in you, Lord. And we trust in your goodness. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.